encourage us. Uh, God has begun something with us in worship, and I'd be very foolish to assume that you know we're going to go on a different track now. Just stick with what God began, because He's going to do stuff in hearts. There's very definitely a, a, a kind of ministry, a depth of ministry that He wants to do with you. I'm just struck by two things straight away. As in the third song, um, my, uh, the one with your lungs filled with His breath just started to like tears welling up inside my eyes I, I love the Holy Spirit I love his presence uh, I think he is kind of urging the church to, to trust him for more he really is there's a love for God and a presence of God here that don't take it lightly uh, some churches um, you know you have to endure the, the, the kind of worship time and you know you really cry out to God just trusting him to do something but there's a, a presence um, that is mature. It's a wonderful thing. When I was praying for tonight, there's about two or three things that I thought I'd share. I've changed it twice already now, but come back to the first thing. I really feel I want to stay there, but when we get to the end of this, we're going to invite the worship guys up and we're going to minister because God is wanting to get amongst us and do stuff. As we know, He always does when He gets amongst these people and where they allow Him the privilege of doing that. Remember the Holy Spirit um, works with our invitation and there are times when it's kind of like he's just going to take control those are off, awfully fearful moments uh, where he can change circumstances and do things and get our attention but where we are healed at people there's stuff he wants to do in us that supersedes any of the, the wisdom that we might have so please just as we go through the preach there are going to be times and places where I think God is wanting to minister into our lives just read through uh, the Azusa Street Revival again, uh, the, the children's book on this guy who interviews all of those who were children in the Azusa Street Revival. Any of you read it? It is something that you need to go and read because like in uh, Acts chapter 2, and I believe you've been working through Acts chapter or Acts in general, um, there's, there's this moment in Acts chapter 2 when the Spirit of God comes and it is something that is preceded by 40 days and the old word was tarrying, waiting, uh, in expectation. I think God's got the church back to the place where we need to be trusting Him for a move of His Spirit and not our clever ideas. There's too many of our clever ideas. One of your American authors, Francis Chan, has written a book called The Forgotten God. If if you want to get a good book on how canned church can become and where we can program everything that it looks successful but there's no spirit of God in it, he's got wonderful insight into that. He really has. He's inspired me with some of his stuff saying we ought not to be able to have church without the Holy Spirit, but we do. We are so slick in our presentations and you know, church growth seminars are all about the three Bs, bums in seats, bucks in the bank and buildings. And if you've got those three, you're successful. And so they teach you how to do that. But when I look at Scripture, it starts by waiting for God. Why don't we wait for God? So then it will seem right to the Holy Spirit and to us what needs to be done. And you'll see that, that pattern right through the book of Acts. And so they wait. C can you imagine waiting 40 days for something Jesus promised? First week must have been fascinating. Second week was a little dry. The third week must have been a bit doubtful. The fourth week was desperate. 
can you, you know, imagine on day 39, well, we've prayed every day like we prayed before and nothing's happened. Did you feel anything? Uh, you know, is there, maybe he's come and we haven't noticed it. <laughs> and then he comes like a rushing mighty wind and tongues of fire. And the whole way we do church is transformed because there's uh, conviction by the Spirit, there's conversion by the Spirit, there's community by the Spirit. All in Acts 2, then in Acts 13, there's commissioning by the same Holy Spirit. Azusa Street, a group of African Americans get together and they start to pray. Very kind of feeling like they're not part of the main line, they're very depressed, out of the way kind of folk, but in simplicity they pray and they trust God for a move of His Spirit. And when he comes, it's like not in the place where we would have expected and not in the way we would have expected. It was awesome. These, you know, glory clouds of his presence and people crawling on their hands and knees as this cloud filled the room. And this strange preacher would come and sit there with a box on his head and he would wait. And when God said, take the box off, that cloud got thicker and there were miracles, limbs growing back. But there were, you know, like groups of people, all the deaf from a community would come and they'd all hear. The upstairs room was just full of you know, crutches and, and wheelchairs and all the rest. This wasn't a, a, a phenomena circus. This was people who were sick getting healed and lost people getting saved. There were thousands of people being in, in, affected by the gospel. But it, it, it was just too amazing. And when you hear these testimonies of 15 and 16 year olds who are running around in this glory cloud and laying hands on people to be healed. Two of them were two boys who were totally overordered what God was doing. They would dance, they would sing, they would slam into people, they would lay hands on them. Those two started AOG. So out of that, 20 denominations started. We received revival in South Africa, one of our few accounts of revival because of Azusa Street. We, we, uh, there was uh, a move of God's spirit and it came to South Africa and a whole apostolic faith mission kind of focus of church started out of that. They still gain today. Everywhere you look, there are these churches in South Africa, all of our communities because of Azusa Street. And so, you know, it's the same as Book of Acts. What God begins there is this wave that just kind of works itself out through the willingness of hearts that are going to work with Him. And I want to encourage you. We've begun to pray three things this year. I've just felt it's so important. First thing, a hunger and thirst for God like never before. There's one here, but I'm saying pray for more. Please do that. And I know you've got your prayer meeting coming up, so maybe I'm giving you a three points here, Mark. The second one is for those manifestations. There's nothing wrong with saying, Lord, come by your Spirit and visit. I do believe where we are as believers gathered together, we're like a portal where that ladder of Jacob uh, kind of takes place. It's like heaven descends. We need heaven to descend. How are you going to get these people in this community to get born again without a move of God's Spirit? It's not possible. And third thing we, we pray in all of this is that lost people are found. Because that's what, it's not about this becoming a kind of soaking center where we just prostrate ourselves and you know just have manifestation after manifestation. The result of this is that the ends of the world will be touched with the gospel. And, you know, you are very normal and ordinary people, very similar to those who were gathered in the book of Acts. Imagine the sum total core 
of ministry that Jesus did in, uh, in his three and a half years in Jerusalem is 120 people. We would expect better results. But he just needed normal, ordinary people who trusted him and loved him and had those prerequisites, a hunger and a passion, a desire, and, and knew that when they prayed, he was going to come by his spirit. And they changed the world. And so I feel we're going to... It's like the world, the only way it's going to happen, it has to happen that way again. A, another revival, but for us, it's all over the place. We, we trust in God for it in South Africa. Sure, South Africa is easier to plant churches in. You know, we've recently started to address our city, which is a very multicultural, you know, big city, 10 million people, lots of pockets of different nationalities and uh, types of people, socioeconomic groups. And we said through sites, we're going to start to do outreach in these communities. And, you know, so a site has grown to 120 in, in 18 months. And that's from nothing to preaching the gospel, walking the streets, trusting God for miracles. And so, you know, even though it's that easy, we still got a big job on our hands. Same with you. And we need to be trusting God that by His Spirit we're going to see these things take place. So I want to encourage you. Don't stop with your passion. And there's more. There's more. There's more that God wants. He, he wants to pour His Spirit into you in unprecedented ways. Really it is. The, the Holy Spirit is the mis, most misunderstood aspect of our Christianity than anything else at this particular moment. Two Two responses, and then I'll get on to the thing that I really want to speak about. I just can't, I, it's so important. The two extremes, so we have the cessationists who are just more comfortable because of all the manifestations to say that he has ceased. When the apostles in the book of Acts were, were yeah, had died, then that's it, the Holy Spirit's ministry was finished. So in other words, there's no Holy Spirit manifestations for today. The others are the sensationalists who unless there's a manifestation, the Holy Spirit's not present. Can't find that in Scripture. And so they go after phenomena more than they go after God. And we don't want that. We want the radical, in between this is the radical middle of Scripture that says actually we ought not to be able to have church without Him, but I don't have to feel another thing for the rest of my life and I still believe that He's here because it is by faith. But believe it or not, when we put ourselves in that place, they are wonderful manifestations. You know there are times you can't walk out of your study because there's just such an awesome presence. Or you're so involved in the Word and it's like you're just drinking. It's this living water. So I want to encourage us to, to find the radical middle. You see, when Jesus came, He said, I will not leave you as orphans. A lot of Christianity is orphan Christianity. we orphans. No mother, no father, no covering, no protection, no provision, nothing. And so we kind of running around as scavengers trying to sort of make something our father and our mother and our provider. No, actually we are not orphans. We have a Holy Spirit. And so when Jesus came, He gave us the Holy Spirit. And when He comes again, the Holy Spirit's work will be done. The Holy Spirit will hand back to Him this bride of Christ prepared, pure and spotless. So we're in the dispensation, the time of the Spirit. And so more than anything, it's through the Spirit we have our understanding and direct connection with God. Of course, He's you know, all, the, all over all the time, but it's through the Holy Spirit. I want to ask, how's your relationship with the Holy Spirit? Turn to 2 to, to, to Corinthians, please, verses, uh, chapter 5, verses 17 to 21. Um, is it possible to get a glass of water? Please. 
Where's the guy with the gun? He can serve me. <laughs> I like him. <laughs> so what I want to do is just get back to the basics of Christianity and look at the gospel in four ways. Uh, the, the gospel message, as we know from this passage of Scripture, is a message of reconciliation. I remember a time um, in our city, in Johannesburg, I was uh, kind of in the inner city or the downtown part of Johannesburg. I stayed, I worked at a theater as an assistant manager uh, in this little theater, and my other job was selling marijuana. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I know Craig doesn't like me to mention these things. <laughs> and when I speak to our church about them, they think I was actually born a Christian. You know, I'm this kind of, you know, perpetual, I've always been a Christian. But it's, it's not like that. We fought hard uh, as, you know, to kind of create something. I can put it up there. You know, of a lineage now where hopefully our grandchildren will continue to serve him. But I grew up in a dysfunctional family. Uh, my dad committed suicide. Um, you know, I found out from our family Bible that I was the reason why they had to marry. <laughs> so I was this miracle six months after they married, I was born. So I was obviously premature. Some kind of miracle took place. But then eventually when I understood the whole deal, <laughs> it wasn't like that. Uh, and, <laughs> you know, I just thank God for my salvation. I really do. Uh, I remember the 13th floor, I stayed of an apartment block, and I'd taken some stuff. Uh, I'd taken speed, and I'd taken a few other things. And I was having the most awful like nightmare during the day. I was just had flashes. My, my mind was full of confusion. I'd, I'd gone over this fact that I was messing myself up. And I was sitting on the ledge of the windowsill, not knowing whether I should jump or not. And... At the same time, there was a group of friends of mine who had got born again, and they put my name down in a prayer book. I just thank God for that. Every Saturday morning, this little Pentecostal church would get together and pray. And it was almost a year to the date. That Sunday, after this experience on the ledge, I kind of find myself very nervously sitting in the back row, a lot of beads, and I had an afro in those days. <laughs> I have pictures to prove it. If I could send one to you guys. And uh, I remember kind of during the altar call, during the singing of the hymn, the closing hymn, very formal kind of a, a meeting, the preacher invited people up to be born again. I had no clue what that meant. I never heard his preach. I never heard anything, but I was compelled by the Spirit to go forward. And knees were shaking, but I stood in the front, and it was like the love of God descended on me like never before. I'd come home. It was... <laughs> One of the most stirring times of my whole life. Um, suddenly this orphan had found a home. He'd found somebody that loved him unconditionally. Uh, it, it was just such a moment for me. Uh, I, I just didn't understand why I deserved all of this. And when they explained the scriptures to me and talked about water baptism, I was there. Next Sunday, I was I'd taken off all my beads. I'd broken my pipes and flushed away all my excess marijuana <laughs> I'd said, that's it, I want to come clean. I really do. And I stood in the, the pond with the preacher and he said, are you serious, young man? I still had stains on my hands. And, you know, like my, my whole life was just messed. My, mate, my brain was messed through this. And I said, no, I am serious. And he baptized me. And as I came up out of the water, the Lord filled me with his spirit. It was one of the most amazing things. Subsequent to being saved, you know, that's like this light of God 
was flowing out of me. And I thought, wow, this other people have got to hear about. And uh, kind of felt a call of God at that time to work with young people. We planted a church in that inner city area once I got married. Saw God do great things, really did, uh, in a big way. Why I'm saying this is we should never, ever grow tired of our testimony in God. We should always be rehearsing it. We should always be going back to it to thank God for the amazing grace that got us to the place where we are. And we should never, ever lose sight of that love that drew us in. And so when we read this, I'm going to read it out of the NIV. Verses 17 to 21 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Notice the minute he talks about we having become new creatures, straight away he says you have a ministry. Every one of us, because of this grace we've received, have a ministry to share this reconciliation with others. I love it. And then he says that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sin against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We have a ministry and a message, and we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. A, an ambassador has a ministry and a message, and that's the ministry and the message we have. It's of reconciliation. And then it's as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Awesome. You know, God can take broken, confused, sinful people and turn them into amazing, amazing testimonies of His love and grace. And so, you know, later on, now I've been leading our church for about 14 years. I've been with them 22 years. I've been a believer uh, 35 years. Just fantastic. You know, just God's grace in all of this. When I share my testimony, they can't believe it because of what God is doing. And so my promise is I'm going to become more like Jesus Christ as this reconciliation works in me. Become the righteousness of God. So what I want to do is take this gospel message and, and kind of make it four steps. And like the first step, you have to have that in place before we can get to the second one. So the gospel is a message of reconciliation. We have been reconciled, number one, to God. Number two, to ourselves. Number three, to our brothers and sisters. And number four, to the world. And it's important that we understand the gospel in this so that we can be those ambassadors. We can be the ones that God has called us to be. Because God doesn't want to do what he's doing here as we can see the depth of worship and love just for you to enjoy it. What he's doing in you, he wants to do through you. Now, I love that about Bill Johnson and the way they do what they do, this treasure hunting stuff. In other words, what God's doing in us, he wants to do to our community. And that's this ministry of reconciliation. Every one of us is called to be that kind of minister. So here's the, the start. We'll all be very familiar with this. We have been reconciled to God. We talked about it tonight in worship. The blood of Christ has, has been the way in which it's taken place. None of our own doing, none of our ingenuity. This is an offensive message. It's not a philosophy. It's not a good way of life. It's we were dead to our sin and through the blood of Christ we've been made alive. We've been joined to God through nothing of our own and everything of His. He paid the full price 
And so as far as the heavens are above the earth, as great as the steadfast love towards those that fear him, as far as the east is from the west, he has removed our sin from us. That is awesome. And that we should celebrate daily. I've been reconciled to God. We've been reconnected. So every time sin separates, we confess our sin and we live in that place of being reunited. Okay? So it's important that we do that. We need to confess. We need to take account. We mustn't leave long accounts. We mustn't kind of wait for every Sunday I'm going to have a holy moment. If that's all it is, that's great. But actually when we sin, we need to repent. When we, whatever issues there are to be dealt with, we deal with those issues. I don't want to mess this up with him. I will mess it up. But when I do, I want to sort it out. I don't want to leave it. Because eventually we become habitual and we become hardened to repentance and we become all too familiar with sin and we become trapped. And then we are useless. We can't go on to what God wants us to do. We are the ones who need a ministry, but He's called us to be ministers of reconciliation. Isn't that great? We have the greatest privilege of introducing people to Jesus Christ and telling them about this one who loves them unconditionally. So, the tenses of salvation are important. I have been saved, justified. Okay? I, ha- I am being saved, sanctified. So my promise to you, when I see you next year, I'll be, uh, hopefully I'll be more like Jesus Christ. And your promise to your wife, it's not that you're going to try harder. No, I'm going to be more like Jesus Christ. That's the promise that we make to each other. It's not I'm going to be better at being a, a husband or wife. Actually, there's no way I can be better at being a husband without becoming more like Jesus Christ. It's the only way it is. My promise is I'm going to become more like Him and that'll be good for you. And then, the thing we're all waiting for is I will be saved, glorified. There's still more to come. There's still way more. We're going to have redeemed bodies. Can you imagine redeemed bodies? All your hair back again. (laughs) It's going to be awesome. I have two toes missing on my left foot. Cut them off with a lawnmower (laughs) when I was 16. I'm going to have these two restored. I'm going to have a crop of hair. I don't know what you guys are going to get, but I'm waiting for a whole crop of hair. (laughs) But beside that, no more pain, no more suffering, no more any of that. Okay. Second point is we've been reconciled to ourselves. This is probably one of the sorest points in everything, is the poor self-image that people have. And the way in which media and industry and, you know, the whole kind of commercial world uh, kind of harps on this. We've got an industry that has grown. Counselors, psychologists. You know, if you are a psychologist or psychiatrist, that's fine. I've got no issues. We do need them. But unfortunately, this thing has spun out of control. The drug companies, this is where their biggest sales take place. It's to help people face life. Actually, when I've been reconciled to God, I can face life. Because I'm a whole person. Remember, uh, with, with Jesus, he'd been baptized. And then God says about his son, My beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. No performance. He'd not done a single day's ministry. God was just pleased with him. And in Christ, God is pleased with us. So it's not about performance. It's not about appearance. You know this thing about the world and its systems? They strip us of our self-worth and dignity and they sell it back to us at a price. So the only way you can feel secure is if you wear branded clothes and you hang out with the cool people and you listen to the right music 
and you eat at the right places, then you're a whole person. And, and they put our security in all these externals, and that's not in who we are in Christ. Who we are in Christ is, is actually kind of seems like almost insignificant. And, and so it's, it's, you know, do you look the part? That's more important. You know, identity in products and possession and position is not what God created us for. We place too much value on the outward. Who said movie beauty is the norm? And why do we torture ourselves to be like that? You know, most people think that when Jesus comes back, he's coming back for a bride that is like European or American, you know, thin and twiggy style, you know, all the, you know, like that. No, no, when Jesus comes back, he's coming back for an African bride. I know, I'm from Africa. We call them mafuta. In other words, big and round. And he is from every nation and every tribe and every tongue and so on. You know, somehow we've been infatuated with thin and all of this. And, you know, all the right proportions is, that's right. We, we, we kind of told that. You know, blue eyes and blonde hair is better than, you know, brown eyes and, and dark hair. Uh, they can stand in the queue first and, you know, they get the better jobs and send one of those reps into a company because she'll get the order quicker. And so you sell the car with the woman draped over there and so on and so on. We, we become gullible in all of this. And, and you know what? Just think how popular makeover and body makeover programs are. Who said your nose too big? You know, most of these film stars, when you see them outside of movies, they look hideous without makeup, without all the photoshopping and, you know, the, the bits and pieces tucked away or, you know, training and all the rest to get them away. No, look, there is, there is a sense of being good stewards of our bodies. But why is it that we get so much confidence, you know, when we thinner or we, you know, fitter or we this or we've had an, a nose job? Why, why? Why have a nose job? Okay, if your nose is on the side of your head, get it put to where it should be. But, you know, if it's a little big, why do you want to get it small? Well, you get your ears trimmed and you get this and then it's Botox and then it's... Now you get programs where, sh where they show you how they fix up all those bad operations. And people are glued to that. They want to see, you know, horrible bodies, how they can be restored in that. No, no, there the, the needs to... The, the inward is far more important. I need to come to terms with who I am in Christ as the most important thing in my life. This is how it is. So here's God's creation palette. He's got creation clay. Make him mock. Masterpiece. Da, 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 da. Too much hair. Da, 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 da. And while he's making mock, a blob falls off. Hits the dirt. He picks it up. Oh, Marcus. <laughs> and a lot of us, we kind of think while he was busy making somebody good and perfect, I was the afterthought. None of us, even me, who I was conceived out of marriage, and I was a mistake. I'm not a mistake in God's eyes. He foreknew that. None of us are mistakes. None of us are kind of, you know, like, remember some of the school teachers say, you're an oxygen thief. That's all you are. You just consume oxygen all day. You know, or they, it, it's amazing how those little things remain as barbs in us and they determine our futures. No, actually you are beautifully made and you're exactly who God wants you to be. Look after yourself but make sure about this inner beauty thing first. It is 
vitally important. Vitally. So the modern day disease, these emotional disorders, when we realize we've been reconciled to ourselves in God, that stuff drifts away. Third one is we've been reconciled to our brothers. Jesus in John 13 said, By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. And you know, most of the church is defined by their lack of love one for another. (laughs) So by our love one for another, they will know that he exists. We are his disciples. But too many times, church is not defined by that. It's, It's terrible. Forgive as Christ forgave. Just maybe take that as an example of how a relationship should work. For how did God forgive us? Just think about that for a second. How does He forgive us? How does God forgive us? Any ideas? Does He forgive us when we come to Him? Of course He does, but He forgave us way before that. So we should forgive ahead of time. Here's a new way I've seen it. When I join this local church, I should forgive everybody ahead of time. Then when I do have a fallout, they're already forgiven, so I don't have to worry. That's the way to do it. Because Christ forgave us, God forgave us in Christ ahead of time. So we need to forgive like that. We need to straight away believe that (coughs) this little thing is a a dispute that we're going to sort out, but I'm not going to kind of you know, live there in this place. How did God forgive? Totally. We need to forgive each other totally. But the Bible says roots of bitterness grow up. These roots of bitterness destroy everyone. And so in a body where the Psalm 133 anointing should be flowing, how good and pleasant it is where brothers live together in unity. There could God commands the blessing. You know, even life forevermore. So if we want to see life forevermore, how's your relationships? And you, and you know, it's risky. Of course it's risky. Because I am going to let you down, but I've forgiven you. I am going to hurt you, but I've forgiven you. But we need to open ourselves up. We need to be hospitable. We need to show off the love of Christ. And we need to learn how to kind of cross those awkward bridges when there are these difficulties. Because it can't be that the minute there's a bit of trouble, I feel God's calling me to another church. Imagine that. Imagine Peter. Well done, Peter. You know, this revelation is from God. He must have turned to the other disciples and went, who's the man? <laughs> you know, you know, I'm the guy. I, I got the revelation. And then Jesus discusses uh, what's going to happen on the cross. And Peter says, no, we'll sort it out. Get behind me, Satan. Imagine Mark one day just says, get behind me, Satan. Say, sweetie, I think God's calling us to another church. And you know, we do not mature as believers and as bodies together in our unity because we don't work through these baby issues. Peter stuck with it. Later on, he gets clobbered again, but he sticks with the program. He keeps on with the discipleship. And we need to know how to work through this so that we can get to the place of maturity and unity and anointing of God. This is so important. We've been reconciled to each other. And on the basis of my forgiveness, I have to forgive. Not, I, I can think about it, I can pray through it, or I'll do it in little increments. No, I need to do it, otherwise my forgiveness is at stake. So I want to encourage us. Let's become a whole and a healed pe- uh, people. I know most of us try and stick to ourselves, 
somebody sits in your chair, you get very upset, you speak to the pastor, could you just make sure that couple don't sit in my chair again? You know, and these little things, they become so big. Forget about them. We need to understand we've been reconciled to each other. Reconciled. We need to prefer and honor and look out for each other. Other-centered. I love that. Other-centered. I'm sitting here today and I'm thinking of other people. I'm not thinking of myself. This world teaches us that it's all about us and our comfort. You know? But it's not. It's about others. How can I lay my life down for others? Last one is we've been reconciled to the world. This for me is probably one of the the ones that's become very messy. It's amazing. As soon as you say evangelism, everybody ducks their heads in case somebody's going to get asked you know, to say, who did you evangelize this week? Evangelism is not a program. It's a, it's a heart condition. Because if I do not love others, I do not love this world as God loves them, then I have missed out on the gospel. I'm living a very self-centered Christianity. And this consumer or spectator approach to Christianity is something that the world and its systems have created. You see, for me, as a believer, I am biased. I am biased with this opinion. There are two types of people in this world. There are people who are saved, and there are people who are about to get saved. And that's my approach. That's it. And so I, I'm not put off by anything. At the moment, I've got a prayer hit list. Uh, I've kept one going since those transformation videos. Do you remember those? Uh, where they showed you all those big pieces of uh, vegetables that were grown in Mexico or wherever it was. I don't know if you ever see them. They, they were American guy put together these videos of various countries where revival had broken out and how it affected their way of life. And you know how countries that like areas that weren't producing were producing more and and and, the, and just in that he said pray for revival and how to how to make it sensible and i want to encourage you with that if you do not have a prayer hit list i've got on my to-do list my prayer hit list get a prayer hit list that's where it starts so number one my dad number two was my mom and my mom got invited by a friend who had come to an equipped time in South Africa where I preached and she showed her the video of me preaching and my mom got saved. <laughs> that was awesome. But I prayed for about 15 years for that moment. And I want to encourage you. Third on my list is my brother and his wife. And so we go until we get to my Polish neighbor and my Taiwanese neighbor. I'm praying for them. Looking for opportunity to show them the love of Christ. Trusting God for uh, moments that I can kind of motivate them with this gospel. On the last point on that list is for opportunity. I, I don't want to just be praying for them, but give me opportunity, Lord. So in my day to day, I, I want to kind of, I, I, I don't want evangelism to be something that's done in a stadium by, you know, Ephesians 4 gifts. I don't want evangelism to be what you do when you come to Africa or when you go down to kind of South America or whatever it is evangelism is a heart it's, it's the way I look at my Christianity I'm reconciled to God, I'm reconciled to myself, I'm reconciled to you as brothers and sisters and I'm reconciled to this world for God so loved the world and if I don't love the world I'm, I'm not kind of flowing with this one who I'm reconciled to because 
surely the more I connect with him, I'm going to pick up his heartbeat. The book of Acts talks about persecution causing Jerusalem to spread the gospel. Right? It says all the, all the believers left except the apostles and wherever they went they preached and Antioch was planted by these who were persecuted. Okay? Antioch goes for a little while and they hear the Spirit of God. I'd prefer to do it that way. And they plant to Ephesus. And so the minute God is in something, He wants to spread it. And the, that's why it says we're ambassadors, we have a message and a ministry. So if anybody comes to you and says, I don't know if I'm called or not, of course you are. You're an ambassador, you've got a message, you've got a ministry. Do you know your message? Your message is your testimony. And your ministry is whoever God's going to cross your path with. Some of them you aren't going to just clobber straight away. You're going to pray for them. Pray for opportunities. Pray for others to reach them. Pray for circumstances to surround them that would cause them to get to this place. I sat on a ledge wanting to commit suicide and God intervened. He got my attention. Same time people were praying for me. Others were, this one girlfriend I had was shoving Bibles under my nose. I burnt them. I said, yeah, this is crazy. How can you put a Bible in my, in my apartment? This is nuts. But all of that wore me down to the point where God got, got my attention. It really did. It did. My resistance was gone. I understood. Okay, now I get the message. One year later, there I am, born again. Have you ever wondered what is the goal of Christianity? I mean, I've often thought about that. What's a goal? Is, is the goal of Christianity your salvation? Is it my salvation? If it is, I want to suggest then, on the day I was baptized in water, the next thing I should have seen is the Savior's face. Because the preacher should have held me under the water until I thrashed around and died. Because if the goal was that, then it's done. I'm saved, and then there's no chance to backslide. The next thing I see is the Savior's face, all done. Now the goal of Christianity is through my salvation to see others saved. That's the only reason why we get up out of the water of baptism. Why? New creation in Christ Jesus, filled with the Spirit, to do good works. I'm being set apart now to do good works. So I want to encourage us, as much as we have a hunger for the Holy Spirit to come and do what He wants to do, God wants to set our hearts on fire for the lost. The most sad parable in the whole of Scripture is the lost and found. Where this older brother years a party because his younger brother who was lost has been found can't rejoice imagine you can't rejoice we can get there, means nothing who cares, go to hell, who cares that's the saddest thing we, we will live in religion and misery if that's how it is so I want to encourage us Christianity is an insurance policy, it's a commissioning to impact the world with his kingdom we are called to be apostolic to seek and save the lost be fishers of men. Freely you have received, freely give. Give as we've get, been given. Forgive as we've been forgiven. Love as we've been loved. Heal as we've been healed. Be hospitable as He's been hospitable to us. Do you know that today it says He's preparing rooms for us in the Father's mansion. That's hospitality. But most of us won't open our homes to invite others in, to just share the love of Christ with them through a meal and then hopefully through that a testimony. It's amazing, huh? He's preparing a home for us, but we won't open our homes. 
His heart is open to us, but we won't open our heart to others. He's at the right hand of God praying and interceding along with the Holy Spirit for us, but we won't pray for others. We are only praying for ourselves and our own needs. And God said, no, we need to change the world. And so we need to trust God for this to change in our hearts. I want to encourage us. I really do. This needs to change. It needs to change. And, and the way I found the most practical is when we begin to pray, we begin to see breakthrough. Just begin to pray. Father, from now on, my prayer is not just going to be about daily needs, but it's number one, my mom, number two, my dad, my spouse, whoever it is, we're going to trust God for that. Can we have the worship guys up again? Is that a K-Mark? Good. Ed Stetzer says, this is where we evangelize, where we work, where we play, where we stay, and where we pray. <laughs> and for me, the most practical is we begin to pray. We do need it. If you're not praying for lost people to be found, it needs to begin. Yeah. So, can we bow our heads, please? We're not going to labor anything. We're just going to catch this wave of His Spirit. And the one thing I'd felt is to pray over barrenness. That barrenness would become fruitful again. I even feel like in the physical there's a couple that are trusting God for children and God wants to get you to that place. He wants to open the womb so that that can take place. And then spiritually, for many of us, it's been a long time since we've sat with somebody and held their hands and prayed the sinner's prayer and led them to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's been a long time since we've sat with somebody and shared our testimony. I just shared how the love of God just overcame us. And so, Father, I pray now in the name of Jesus, in this amazing moment of intimacy and worship, that wombs would be open again. That you would, for that couple, physically, maybe it's somebody you know, pray for that. God's anointing for that is here. That then spiritually, you'd open our wombs. And I would say, just stay there for a moment and begin to pray prayers of consecration to Him. It's not promises that we know are going to stop when we walk out this church building. But Father, the way I'm doing my life needs to change. Break my heart for the lost. I pray, Lord Jesus Christ. Forgive me of my judgmental attitude. I just want to be enamored with your love and your beauty and your forgiveness again. And then realize I've been called as an ambassador with a ministry and with a message. One of the most stirring times of my life was I led a youth camp and there was a little deaf boy of about 13 
and I could see that he missed most of the meetings because the interpreter wasn't quick enough. And so I got his interpreter and I sat with him and I'd taken two hours to draw the gospel. And I showed him these pictures. And I, my eyes were fixed on this deaf boy. I really was trusting God for him to be saved. And I looked at him and then I had this little page saying, would you like to be a Christian? And he was stony-faced. There wasn't even a response. There was not even a smile. There was nothing like that. And I was so despondent as I was looking at him. His interpreter, his best friend, was weeping. And he said, sir, I wonder if I could become a Christian. It was just so awesome. You know, the grace of God just kind of broke in on this young guy's life. And I'm saying, God, I never want to lose that appetite, that desire to see this gospel go out. And so I pray for that. I pray for fruitfulness for every one of us, every single person here, Lord. Every person. Trust you for it, Lord. God's doing some stuff in hearts. Just some of the points that we mentioned. Perhaps it's relational issues that you need to just deal with Him. With maybe it's sin in your life patterns. You have allowed them to build up. Deal with it. If we have sinned, confess your sin. If you've broken a relationship, sort it out. The minute you leave today, go and sort it out. If that person's not here, phone them, sort it out. If they are here, sort it out. It's important that we do these things. We want to live healed, live in a place of being reconciled and being reconcilers. Thank you, Father. Love of God's here in such a strong way, folk. Really. God's love. Thank God for that. Thank God for His relationship.